This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm Clayton Nevelin for John Trout. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Human error may have played a role in the deadly drone strike this weekend on U.S. troops in Jordan. Sagar Magani, Washington. Democrats release a defense of Alejandro Mayorkas ahead of today's impeachment markup in the House. I'm John Stolness in Washington. Testimony is focusing on the parenting skills of a mother in Michigan in connection with the deadly school shooting committed by her son. I'm Ed Donahue. In Illinois, election officials are weighing whether to remove Donald Trump's name from the March 19th primary ballot. I'm Jennifer King. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 index opens at a fresh record high this morning above 4,900. I'm Jessica Ettinger. Wayne LaPierre, the head of the National Rifle Association, says yes in court to living a lavish lifestyle. I'm Sue Aller. All ahead on America in the Morning. A preliminary report suggesting human error may have played a role in the deadly drone strike this weekend on U.S. troops in Jordan. As Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports, there are now serious calls on Capitol Hill for the Biden administration to respond to the drone attack allegedly carried out by a terror group aligned with Iran. Let me start with my outrage and sorrow for the death of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan and for the other troops who were wounded. The President and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces, and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Two officials say the report suggests American forces at the small base may have mistaken the enemy drone for a U.S. one and let it go unchallenged. The strike killed three soldiers from Georgia and wounded more than 40 others. We are still assessing what happened and how a one-way attack drone was able to impact the facility. Pentagon spokeswoman Sabrina Singh. I don't have more to share in terms of an intelligence assessment on Uh, if uh, leaders in Iran were directing this attack. But what I can tell you is that um, we know these groups are supported by Iran, um, and therefore they do have their fingerprints on this. But I can't tell you more in terms of who directed the attack. The incident leaves President Biden with a delicate balancing act, while his administration believes Iran was behind the attack. We are not looking for a war with Iran. We are not looking to escalate the tensions any more than they already have been escalating. In fact, everything we've done has been designed to try to de-escalate those tensions. That said, this was a very serious attack. It had lethal consequences. We will respond and we'll respond appropriately. I'm not going to telegraph what that's going to look like. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. It's fundamentally different now because we have three families who just got the worst possible news. That's different. Uh, And the scope of the, the wounded now more than 30 Uh, injured some of them seriously, that's also different. And the president's been meeting with national security advisors to discuss potential retaliation. Sagar Magani, Washington. Later this morning, the House Homeland Security Committee will mark up two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas as House Democrats launch a defense on the embattled Secretary of Homeland Security. John Stolness has more for us from Washington. In a 29-page report, Democrats on the committee called the impeachment a political stunt and a total waste of time. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. House Republicans have produced no evidence that Secretary Mayorkas has violated the Constitution. House Republicans have produced no evidence that Secretary Mayorkas has broken the law. This is a 
political stunt. The report claims there are no high crimes and misdemeanors present in anything Mayorkas or President Joe Biden are doing with regard to security along the southern border. That sentiment echoed by conservative law professor Jonathan Turley on Fox News. I just don't believe that they have a cognizable basis here for impeachment. The, the first article is basically a disagreement about the level of enforcement being done by this administration. The Republicans are right. We have an open border. Right. Uh, this is a huge crisis. But that is a policy judgment made by the president. However, House Republicans accused Mayorkas of betraying the public trust and willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law. The impeachment effort was first launched last year by Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene, here speaking in an interview yesterday released on her Twitter page. Well, it was in November after two of my constituents were killed in Texas by a 17-year-old cartel member smuggling illegal aliens into the state of Texas, um, and they were tragically killed in a horrific car accident. Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik says the Biden administration's entire border policy is dangerous and reckless. Just last month, over 300,000 illegal immigrants came across our southern border, the largest amount in a single month in history. 19 of those individuals were arrested for being on the terrorist watch list. The Democrats' report compares the Republicans' efforts akin to throwing spaghetti against a wall. And they note a Mayorkas impeachment will never garner a conviction in the democratically controlled Senate. John Stolness, Washington. New testimony sheds light on the parenting by a Michigan mother whose son shot up his school. We'll have details on that case when America in the Morning returns after these messages. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Waking up this morning, the varying temperatures across the United States, of course. The big question, though, in the weather world, when will the next amount of heavy rain arrive in the West? Here to answer that, meteorologist Matt Rendy. A storm will start the day centered over northern Lake Michigan and from there dive sharply southward quickly toward Ohio and then continued into the central Appalachians. This storm and the associated cold front will have some snow and rain along and ahead of it from Michigan westward to Wisconsin to start the day and then building quickly toward Illinois through Ohio into western Pennsylvania before reaching West Virginia and even into Tennessee by the end of the day. A few inches of snow will be possible from this storm as it shifts through with the best chance for those accumulations in the higher elevations of the Appalachians. Before the snow and rain showers reach the Appalachians and the Carolinas, there will be high pressure
winter dominating the eastern United States. There will be some peaks of sun through the mid-Atlantic and northeast, but low clouds will remain stubborn for much of the time. The southeast has a much better chance to see some sun. In the northwest, we're looking at another storm moving into the region. There'll be plenty of clouds around throughout the day with some rain building into portions of northern California into Washington, especially later in the day, and continuing to build south and east heading into tonight. This storm will continue to develop through the midweek with heavy rain possible along the west coast, especially in California. In between the two systems, it'll be another very nice day for most. There'll be plenty of sunshine from Southern California into Nevada and then continuing into Southern Idaho and Montana, as well as eastward through Texas into Mississippi. That's the weather across America. Detroit, Michigan will have another round of snow accumulating an inch or so and then mixing with some rain in the afternoon, high up to 37. It'll be another warm day in Billings, Montana, with sunshine and a high of 62. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Remember to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. Testimonies focusing on the parenting skills of a mother in Michigan accused of involuntary manslaughter in connection with the deadly school shooting committed by her son. Ed Donahue reports. Kira Pennock, the owner of a horse stable, says Jennifer Crumley described her son Ethan as weird. There were quite a few times that um, she had uh, voiced that he was an oopsie baby. Oxford High School counselor Sean Hopkins says he confronted Jennifer and James Crumley hours before the 2001 shooting about a violent drawing Ethan had made. They refused to voluntarily take him home. I didn't feel as if it was going to be an absolute no, but it was made quite clear that it wasn't possible to do it that day. Why do you say it was made clear it wasn't possible to do it that, that day? That they had to return to work and they were unable to do it that day. Later that day, four students were shot and killed at Oxford High. Ethan Crumley is serving a life sentence. James Crumley will be tried later. I'm Ed Donahue. In Illinois, election officials are weighing whether to remove Donald Trump's name from the March 19th primary ballot. Correspondent Jennifer King reports that answer could come as soon as today. Clark Erickson, a retired judge and a Republican, presided over a hearing in Illinois at which attorneys for Trump and citizens seeking to keep him off the state's ballot presented their arguments. The Illinois State Board of Elections is expected to consider his recommendation on Tuesday. Erickson wrote that Trump should be removed from Illinois' primary ballot, concluding that a preponderance of the evidence presented proved that Trump engaged in insurrection in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. But he also said the decision should be left to the courts. Comparing an attempt to resolve a constitutional issue with an election board hearing to holding a heavyweight boxing match in a telephone booth. The Illinois effort is similar to those filed in several other states seeking to use the 14th Amendment's insurrection provision to scrub Trump from the ballot. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to hear arguments next month on a Colorado ruling. I'm Jennifer King. Millions of vehicles have been recalled in recent days. We'll tell you which ones and why when America in the Morning returns on the other side of this.
some recall news for you this morning. Automakers have issued recalls within the past 72 hours that have impacted as many as 2 million vehicles. Electric car maker Tesla's latest recalls for 200,000 cars over a software glitch that impacts the rearview camera display. Kia's recalling over 100,000 vehicles due to a sunroof issue. Mazda bringing back over 400,000 cars for a power steering problem, while Toyota announced that 50,000 owners of older model Matrix, Corolla, and RAV4s should stop driving those cars immediately due to an airbag problem. Here's CNBC's Jessica Edinger. She's got Tuesday business. Wall Street opens this morning with the S&P 500 index at a fresh record high above 4,900 for the very first time. Bond yields fell yesterday and stocks popped. All the major averages were higher. We're playing by bull market rules. Mm -hmm. All that being said, um, you know, we're up almost 20 percent in three months. Usually that means good things for the coming months. But, you know, something can come along to knock us off course at any moment. There's definitely a consciousness among traders of upside risk. CNBC's Mike Santoli. The Fed begins a two-day meeting on interest rates this morning. It's widely expected that the Fed will not cut rates today, but instead signal that it might do so at its next meeting. One expert tells CNBC the Fed should just leave the rates right where they are. I think the Fed has actually not only tightened, but actually normalized. Interest rates are back to where they were before the great financial crisis. Yardani researches Ed Yardani on CNBC. Investors are finally getting a, an appropriate return in the money markets and in the bond market, and the economy has demonstrated that it's resilient and they can live with them. American investors have always been able to easily buy shares of online sports betting company DraftKings, but now they can more easily invest in its rival FanDuel. FanDuel's parent company is Flutter. It's been found on the London Stock Exchange. But it just started offering shares on the New York Stock Exchange yesterday under ticker symbol FLUT, F-L-U-T. The New York Stock Exchange is finally welcoming Flutter from London here to the U.S. Today is the first day it's opening here on the Stock Exchange Flutter, so I'm just glad to be a part of it. NFL star Rob Gronkowski on CNBC. He's a brand ambassador for FanDuel parent Flutter. So do you have the obligatory ticket price story for us this morning, Jessica? Yes, I do. Chiefs versus 49ers in Las Vegas will cost you quite a bit. According to Ticket IQ, the average ticket price for all tickets is a whopping $10,752, which is the highest ever average price for the Super Bowl 16 days ahead of the game, except for 2021 Whoa. when the stadium was at reduced capacity. CNBC's Dominic Chu. On today's watch list, as we mentioned, the Fed starts a two-day meeting on interest rates. We'll get that decision tomorrow. We get quarterly results today from General Motors, Pfizer, Microsoft, Google Parent Alphabet, Starbucks, and Advanced Micro Devices. We get the latest on home prices for November. New numbers on job opportunities and labor turnover for December will be out. That's the JOLTS report. We get the latest on consumer confidence. Wall Street billionaires hosting a fundraiser for Nikki Haley in New York City. Starbucks selling its olive oil-infused Oleato drinks nationwide starting today. There's a rising number of murders in a well-known vacation spot. We'll tell you which one and bring you the details on that. When America in the Morning returns, hang with us.
We turned the news out of the NRA this morning. Wayne LaPierre faced another day of grilling on the witness stand about lavish spending as the longtime leader of the National Rifle Association. Sue Aller reports on his trial from New York. Nobody likes being stuck in traffic, including Wayne LaPierre. During his civil corruption trial, LaPierre testified on Monday that he gave the go-ahead in 2015 and 2016 for $16,000 worth of helicopter trips to see a NASCAR race for himself and others. In the lawsuit brought on by New York Attorney General Letitia James, she has accused LaPierre and other NRA leaders of using millions of dollars the National Rifle Association collected for the organization for their own personal use. Last week, LaPierre testified that he did use NRA funds for family trips, black car services, and high-end gifts for friends. He also confirmed that he shopped at high-end clothing stores in Beverly Hills, California, claiming he needed to look good when appearing on TV as he was the spokesperson for the NRA. LaPierre said he has repaid the NRA back with interest for some of those lavish gifts. LaPierre will step down later this week as the executive vice president of the NRA. In New York, I'm Sue Aller. The Bahamas are known for many things like crystal clear turquoise water and white sand beaches. And now murders. After a spike in killings in the U.S. State Department sounding the alarm, authorities in the Bahamas are responding. Correspondent Rita Foley reports. 19 people have been killed in the Bahamas this year alone, with the islands of Grand Bahama and New Providence most affected. The U.S. issued a security alert last week, saying that murders occurred at all hours, including broad daylight on the streets. It blamed gang violence for most of the trouble. U.S. officials said those primarily affected were local residents. Now, authorities in the Bahamas say they are cracking down on crime. Police there held a news conference on Sunday to talk about the weapons they seized. Ammunition and drugs, too, they say. None of the killings have targeted foreigners. I'm Rita Foley. America in the Morning for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, Senior Producer Kevin Delaney. I'm Clayton Nevelin for John Shrout, and this is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm Clayton Neville and for John Shrout. Coming up this half hour. The mother of a soldier killed in a drone attack overseas says her daughter was an amazing person. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The Justice Department says Attorney General Merrick Garland has to undergo surgery. Norman Hall, Washington. Alex Murdaugh denied a new murder trial. I'm Pamela Furr. Federal authorities have arrested a Massachusetts man for allegedly threatening to bomb synagogues. I'm Jackie Quinn. A former Internal Revenue Service contractor was sentenced for leaking tax return information. Ed Donahue, Washington. Younger Americans are exhibiting optimism when it comes to retirement. I'm Stephen Kaufman. The man who stole the ruby slippers gets his day in court. I'm Kevin Carr. We'll be right back. Unseasonably warm temperatures expected across parts of the south today, but up north, snow. Matt Rendy, meteorologist, is with us. Matt, how much snow will fall in the storm over the Great Lakes? In the northwest, we are looking at another storm moving into the region. There will be plenty of clouds around throughout the day with some rain building into portions of northern California, into Washington, especially later in the day, and then continuing to build south and east heading into tonight. 
This storm will continue to develop through the midweek with heavy rain possible along the West Coast, especially in California. We are also watching another storm centered over northern Lake Michigan. This system will dive southward quickly toward Ohio and continue into the central Appalachians. This storm will end the associated cold front. will have some snow and rain along and ahead of it from Michigan westward to Wisconsin to start the day and then build quickly toward Illinois through Ohio and western Pennsylvania before reaching West Virginia and even into Tennessee by the end of the day. We'll have a few inches of snow possible from this system, especially in the higher elevations of the Appalachians. And then this system will quickly move offshore late tonight into Wednesday with lingering rain and snow showers behind it. And before the snow and rain showers reach the Appalachians into the Carolinas, there will be high pressure dominating the eastern United States. There will be some peaks of sun through the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast, but low clouds will remain stubborn for much of the day. The Southeast will see a little more sunshine, and that sunshine in between those two systems will be expansive through much of the plains into the Rockies and even portions of the West Coast. There'll be plenty of sunshine from Texas into the Western Dakotas and then continuing to Idaho into Arizona and even Southern California. Most of these places will have temperatures well above the historical average and some places by as much as 30 degrees. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Remember to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the morning in your favorite listening app. The Biden administration warned that the drone strike that killed three American soldiers will not go unpunished. While the government of Iran has stated they were not behind it, what is believed is an Iranian proxy group carried out the attack. Here at home, the mother of a soldier killed in the incident in Jordan says her daughter was an amazing person. Correspondent Lisa Dwyer reports. Three Army reservists from different corners of Georgia all died in a weekend drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan that also wounded more than 40 others. Oneida Oliver Sanders, the mother of Specialist Kennedy Sanders, says her daughter had an enthusiasm for life. Kennedy was very outgoing. She was very athletic, very competitive. She was a very silly girl. She likes to laugh and play. She was known for her smile and laughing all the time. And um, yeah, she was just an all-around good girl, full of life. She called her family frequently and talked about getting a motorcycle or buying a home. Her family spoke with her Saturday. Now, plans for her homecoming have been dashed. So all of these different things that she had plans for that, you know, just cut short in the blink of an eye. So, you know, I just feel like with somebody like her that's so full of life, it's just unfair that she'll never get to realize those dreams that she had. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's back in the office for the first time since having prostate cancer surgery complications. And his first order of duty will be to assess the response to the drone attack against U.S. personnel in Jordan. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. At this important time, I'm glad to be back uh, at the Pentagon. As he greeted NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg, Austin noted it was his own first time back in the Pentagon since December 21st. That was a day before he had surgery and 10 days before being rushed back to the hospital in extreme pain. I feel good and am recovering well, but still recovering. Uh, and I appreciate all the, the good wishes that I've received thus far. Austin received plenty of criticism, too, for keeping his diagnosis, surgery, and hospitalization secret and for going days without telling President Biden and other top leaders. Sagar Magani, Washington. 
And it's not just Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin who will have taken sick time. The Justice Department says Attorney General Merrick Garland has to undergo surgery. Correspondent Norman Hall reports. The Attorney General will undergo back surgery this weekend and delegate his duties to the Deputy Attorney General during the procedure. The advisory comes as Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin returns to work at the Pentagon following a hospitalization related to prostate cancer that was criticized for being kept secret for days. Garland, who is 71, will be under general anesthesia during the back procedure on Saturday. It's expected to last about 90 minutes and is being called minimally invasive. Garland is expected to return home this same day. Norman Hall, Washington. There's fallout after a New York City council member who's part of the exonerated Central Park 5 case from 1989 is stopped by police while driving his car in Harlem with his family. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. Police body cam captures Yusuf Salam's stop Friday night. Hello, I'm Officer Protecti from the 26 Precinct. I'm the council member Salam. Oh, council member? This district, district Oh, okay. The council member says police didn't tell him why they pulled him over and it's not on the tape. The NYPD saying afterwards it was tinted windows beyond the legal limit and out-of-state plates. Mayor Eric Adams says police don't have to say why they stop you, but maybe they should. This all comes as the city council gets ready to override a veto by Adams on the How Many Stops Act, requiring officers to report all stops. There will be an override vote. Uh, in the city council. Public advocate Jamani Williams behind it. Create a law that helped us get that information as easily as possible. It's not interrupting police work, it actually is police work. And until this bill comes into law, there's really no information on what is called level one stops. Julie Walker, New York. As Californians continue to clean up after last week's winter storms, another round of severe rain and mountain snows heading for the Golden State that could impact travel and power. Jim Roop reports from Los Angeles. Many homes and businesses were damaged when the so-called atmospheric river rocked the entire state of California. Everything got damaged. Um, furniture, uh, kitchen, bathroom. And as Annie Lennox and the Eurythmics sang it. Yep, another Mother Nature gut-punching atmospheric river is on the way, set to hit late Wednesday. That atmospheric river is just that, a water river in the sky, a flowing column of water vapor in the atmosphere responsible for producing significant amounts of rain and snow. As for the folks on the ground... We are very scared that this is going to happen again. Oh, it's going to. First, Northern California and the Pacific Northwest Wednesday. With soaking rainfall and gusty winds, localized flooding, expecting up to three inches of rain or more by the weekend. Heavy snow in the Sierra Nevada. Late Wednesday, the river is forecast to reach Southern California, where it will stall through Friday morning, worrying residents in the San Diego area, which suffered severe flooding last week. Vincent Johnson tells San Diego's KGTV last week's storm forced them into a hotel, and they can't yet return home because of the mold. He says, though, Just got to keep faithful, be prayerful, and... Just hope for the best. The Lord's going to take care of it. One to three inches of rain expected in Southern California. Most of that falling Thursday. Jim Roop, Los Angeles. A judge in South Carolina responds to Alec Murdoch's request for a new trial. We'll bring you that decision when America in the Morning returns after this.
some news out of South Carolina this morning. A judge there has denied Alec Murdoch's request for a new trial after his defense team accused a clerk of tampering with a jury. Pamela Fur has more for us. Murdoch, who was convicted in 2023 in the murders of his wife and younger son and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences, accused Colton County Clerk of Court Rebecca Hill of jury tampering. Judge Jean Toll made the ruling after hearing testimony Monday from all 12 jurors in Murdoch's trial and hearing from Hill herself. All but one denied that Hill's communications weighed into how they came to their unanimous decision. That one juror, referred only as Juror Z, told the judge a different story. What did Ms. Hill say? To watch his actions. Please. All right. Was your verdict influenced in any way by the communications of the clerk of court in this case? Yes, ma'am. And how was it influenced? To me, it felt like she made it seem like he was already guilty. Hill, who had written a book about the case, was also questioned why she told people hours before the jury received the case that she expected deliberations to be short. The clerk said it was a gut feeling after years in a courtroom. Judge Toll said she couldn't overturn the verdict based on the strength of some fleeting and foolish comments by a publicity-influenced clerk of court. She added that while Hill may have passed improper comments, the defense failed to prove that such comments in influenced the jurors' decisions to find Murdoch guilty. Murdoch's attorneys do plan on appealing this decision to deny a new trial. I'm Pamela Furr. Facing intense political pressure, plane maker Boeing late Monday withdrew its request for an exemption from key safety regulations to allow the 737 MAX 7 to be certified to carry passengers. The issue in question involves the engine inlet de-icing system, and Boeing says it will cause significant delays until they can fix the flawed design and then get FAA approval. It's not just the airline maker's bottom line that will be impacted. Southwest Airlines has over 300 of those 737 seven jets on order and will now likely not see delivery this year. Federal authorities have arrested a Massachusetts man for allegedly threatening to bomb synagogues and kill members of the state's Jewish community. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. Authorities allege 59-year-old John Reardon called a local synagogue last week, leaving a voicemail that threatened to kill congregants and bomb the temple. And 10 minutes later, he's accused of threatening another synagogue and a Jewish organization, mentioning the deaths of Palestinians in Israel. He's now charged with using a facility of interstate commerce to threaten a person or place with harm. The state's acting U.S. attorney says the threats are deeply disturbing and reflect an increasing torrent of anti-Semitism across the country. I'm Jackie Quinn. A former Internal Revenue Service contractor was sentenced to five years in prison for leaking tax return information of some very rich people, including that of former President Donald Trump. Ed Donahue reports. Charles Littlejohn gave data to the New York Times and ProPublica between 2018 and 2020. Prosecutors say the leaks were unparalleled in IRS history. 
Former President Donald Trump's tax information was among those released. Judge Anna Reyes imposed the maximum sentence, saying when you target the sitting president of the United States, you target the office. It cannot be open season on elected officials. Little John apologized, saying he acted out of a sincere, if misguided, belief he was serving the public interest. The IRS has said any disclosure of taxpayer information is unacceptable, and the agency has since tightened security. Ed Donahue, Washington. AI chip manufacturing has been a profitable venture for a select few chip companies, but it looks like the top dogs may finally have some competition. Here's Chuck Palm with today's tech news. It appears that Amazon, Google, Meta, and Microsoft are all building their own chips for AI. This past September, Amazon said it would invest up to $4 billion in Anthropic, a San Francisco startup working on artificial intelligence. An Amazon executive sent a private message to an executive at another company saying Anthropic had won the deal because it agreed to build its AI using specialized chips designed by Amazon. The Amazon exec went on to say he wanted to create a viable competitor to chip maker NVIDIA, a key partner and kingmaker in the all-important field of AI. Due to excessive high demand, NVIDIA has fallen behind in their AI special chips. So Amazon and other giants of the industry, including Google, Meta, and Microsoft, are building their own. It has been reported NVIDIA sold 2.5 million AI chips last year. Leave a comment at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Robert Workman's with us. He's got sports. NBA Monday, the Celtics got things right again at the Garden, beating the Pelicans 118-112 to snap a two-game home losing streak that followed a record-setting 20-0 start on the parquet floor. Boston has the best record in the association overall at 36-11. Timberwolves topped the Thunder 107-101 in a matchup of the top two teams in the West. Nuggets knocked off the Bucks 113-107 in Doc Rivers' debut on the Milwaukee bench. Jamal Murray had 35 points, Nikola Jokic a triple-double. Nets blew by the Jazz 147-114. Ben Simmons nearly had a triple-double in just 18 minutes off the bench as he returned from a back injury that had sidelined him since November 6th. Just stepping on the floor, just trying to play my game, you know, fill it out, see where you know guys are going to be, um, and just get a little bit of uh, rhythm back. So uh, you know, I think it was a good first game. Luka Doncic had 45 points and 15 assists as the Mavericks squeaked past the Magic. Tim Hardaway Jr. added 36 as Dallas came back from a 16-point halftime deficit. Knicks had now won seven in a row after swatting the Hornets. Suns burned the heat. Miami has dropped seven straight. Cavaliers sank the Clippers. L.A. had won its last five. Wizards rallied past the Spurs. Kings over the Grizzlies. Rockets rolled the Lakers. And the Blazers lit up the Sixers, Philly without Joel Embiid due to a sore knee. Just one game in the NHL, the Senators came back from down 3-0 in the first to edge the Predators 4-3 in overtime. No change in the top five in the college basketball rankings. Connecticut, Purdue, North Carolina, Houston, and Tennessee held fourth in both surveys. The number four Cougars needed overtime to win at Texas last night. Seventh-ranked Duke got a double-digit win at Virginia Tech. Super Bowl 58 a week from Sunday. The Chiefs against the 49ers. Kansas City will be without pass rusher Charles Amenahu. He suffered a torn ACL in Sunday's win in Baltimore. The defensive end had a career-high seven sacks this season, plus one on Sunday against Lamar Jackson. That's Tuesday Sports. A new study tracks younger Americans' expectations on retirement. We'll tell you what the research shows when America in the Morning returns after these messages.
tracking some trends around the younger American generations this morning. Despite obstacles, a new report does find that younger Americans are now a bit more optimistic about retirement. Stephen Kaufman has the details. Despite the fact that not saving enough for retirement remains a top regret for Americans, younger generations remain largely optimistic about their retirement goals, says a bank rate survey. 45% of Gen Z and millennials say they're where they need to be. And that optimism is great, but it's got to turn into action. If they want to stay on track and avoid where Gen X is, says bank rate senior analyst James Royal. Gen X is just a few years away from retirement and 69 percent of that cohort says they're behind on retirement savings. So why then the optimism among Gen Zers, a group that acknowledges the need for more than one million dollars in savings to retire comfortably? Some of this is just youthful optimism. And when you're young, even if you're behind by just a little bit of money, you could quickly close that gap. But as you approach retirement, if you haven't done those savings in the past, you can be way behind, hundreds of thousands of dollars behind if you have not made those moves early in your investing or working career. Royal's advice, it doesn't take much to get started with savings, just an eye toward the future and consistency. Save $100 a week and you do that over a 40-year career, you can wind up with a million dollars without a massive sacrifice on your part to do it. So figure out how retirement accounts work and then get started today, even if it's just with a little money. I'm Stephen Kaufman. The man who stole the ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz faced a judge and learned his fate. Kevin Carr has more. The saga of the missing ruby slippers has finally ended after a long trip over the rainbow. In 2005, a pair of the iconic ruby slippers worn in the Wizard of Oz had been stolen from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Museum founder Johnny Miner spoke to the BBC about the theft. Here's a pair of slippers worth uh a million dollars at the time, and somebody took it right out from under our nose. The slippers were recovered in 2018 when a man contacted the FBI offering information for a reward. It wasn't until last year that the authorities finally got their man, former mobster Terry John Martin. We've got to verify it legally. In an attempt at one final score, Martin stole the slippers because he was certain they contained real rubies in order to justify the museum's $1 million insurance policy. Martin's lawyer, Dane DeCray, insists he had never seen The Wizard of Oz and thus didn't know the shoe's cultural value. I think he's lived a fast and loose life, and I think he's okay with what's happening now. On Monday, a Minnesota judge sentenced the 76-year-old Martin with time served rather than 10 years in prison. This was because Martin is terminally ill and currently in hospice with an expected six months to live. He also has to pay $23,500 in restitution at a rate of $300 a month. There's no place. As one of the four remaining pairs of ruby slippers Garland wore in the film, they were returned to the original owner. I'm Kevin Carr. America in the Morning for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm Clayton Neville and for John Trout. And this is Westwood One. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.